Welcome to Global E-Commerce Tech Talks. I'm your host, Michael LeBlanc. This podcast is brought to you in conjunction with the Global E-Commerce Leaders Forum. In this, our very first episode, part one of a two-part interview with my partners Kent Allen from San Francisco and Jim Okamura from Chicago. We discuss both the quantitative and qualitative research on going cross-border into the headwaters of retail commerce innovation, China. With this proprietary research, including exclusive roundtable discussions that happened both in New York and at the recent Leaders Forum in LA, we look at established and emerging platforms, the impact of trade tussles and the COVID-19 crisis, plus supply chain and key brand strategies to consider as you craft your plan for long-term commercial success. So let's jump right in now to my conversation with Kent and Jim. Gentlemen, it's a page of the history books, our first inaugural episode of the Global E-Commerce Tech Talks podcast. Before we dive into this great research and insights around China, I thought it'd be a good idea to introduce yourselves, a bit about yourself, personal journey, professional journey. Uh, Jim, why don't you uh, you kick us off? Yeah, thanks, Mike. Uh, It's uh, Jim Okamura here. I have been in retail for more than 25 years now, mostly doing strategic consulting work, and some of which uh, ended up being international in nature and helping brands with their market expansion and planning and, and so on. And that was some of the you know early uh, foundations for what uh, eventually became the Global E-Commerce Leaders Forum. And you're from a familiar part of the world where I am uh, today. Tell us, uh, you have some roots in Canada, but you're based in, where are you based right now? Yeah, I'm Chicago-based, you know, currently and have been for more than, you know, 20 years, but originally uh, uh, from the the Toronto area and uh, where we know each other going way back and and, uh, certainly started some of the digital retail strategy work, you know, in in the Canadian market. Kent, uh, you and I have known each other for a few years, somewhat less than Jim, but um, it's great to to meet and work with you. Tell us a little bit about about yourself. Yeah, hey, thanks, Michael. And yeah, you know, I've known Jim since the the early days of e-commerce. Back then, I was an industry analyst, really focused on both the online advertising space and uh, e-commerce space. And more recently, I've been uh, running my own practice based out of San Francisco called the Research Trust. But, you know, most of my time these days is really focused on the Global E-Commerce Leaders Forum, or GELF as we call it. And, uh, you know, Jim and myself, along with Scott Silverman, are the, are the three co-founders. A lot of what I've been doing uh, with the GELF community over the last four or five years is, uh, you know, working closely with the uh, solution provider partners and with the senior e-commerce leaders to really kind of understand what are the most relevant topics and what are the issues that uh, brands selling direct to consumer around the world and their retail partners are facing. So it's been a, you know, it's been a great experience kind of getting the the Gelf community up and going and, you know, really want to thank you today, Michael, for, uh, for joining us and, you know, shout out to my co-founders, Jim and Scott as well. Scott couldn't join us today, but, um, you know, Scott was, uh, is probably one of the better known folks in the e-commerce space. And uh, Scott was obviously was the executive director of shop.org during its heyday and has continued to uh, really be probably one of the foremost connectors in the e-commerce community. So uh, really looking forward to kind of launching this podcast series. Uh, Ken, tell us about uh, you both, Jim and Ken, you both talked about uh, GEL for the Global E-Commerce Leaders Forum. Ken, could you tell us a, a little bit about the forum itself for the listeners who may not uh, be familiar? What's the purpose of these events? What's the focus? How long have you been holding them? When, when do you hold them? That sort of thing. 
Uh, yeah. give, us a, give us an overview. Yeah, sure. Um, so Gelf started back in 2014, and it really grew out of some research that Jim and I had done uh, towards the end of Scott's um, leadership at shop.org, where we were looking at uh, how brands and retailers were going to extend the reach of their digital operations beyond the U.S. It's been a, um, a really kind of great experience for us. We We've pulled the community together twice a year. We get together in L.A. in February, and we get to the community together in New York in September. This year, we're actually in New York, October 1st. What we really do is spend an entire day that's 100% focused on cross-border e-commerce. So it's a great opportunity to uh, bring together brands, retailers, solution providers, and other thought leaders in the space to really kind of help people learn, share, and network and, and grow their international e-commerce sales. Kent, uh, let's let's dive into the, the research. And since you got the microphone, let's, let's stick with you uh, to just kind of kick this part off where we're talking about the China research. So tell us a little bit about uh, the research you've done, a little background of, of um, kind of the sequence of events when uh, the research was done and, and, and what it explores. And then let's kick us off. Let's, uh, it's great research. I've, I've paged through it several times. Very insightful. But give us a, a little bit of background about the research itself, and then let's, uh, let's dive in. Yeah, I mean, interestingly enough, this is an ongoing program that started back in 2017. That was when we published our, our first uh, report called Catching the Next Wave, uh, China E-Commerce. And what we looked at then was really, um, you know, how brands and retailers were coming out of, you know, kind of a wild, wild west phase in China. Uh, there were a lot of people that were starting to take more control of their e-commerce. They were reviewing their first generation Tmall partners, for instance. And it turned out to be a really interesting study that we'll talk to, uh, you know, in the interview today. Uh, more recently, we decided to revisit the 2017 study uh, starting last summer when we did some field work with uh, on the ground research partner in China. We also um, did a series of executive interviews with global e-commerce leaders in the Gulf community. And those interviews wrapped up shortly before our Gulf LA event back in February. So, you know, we're really pleased to be able to bring the executive summary findings to uh, the table today. But we've got a lot of research that's that's kind of deep much deeper than we'll be able to get into today. The interesting thing, too, is a lot of this, uh, the fieldwork was really focused around what were some of the impacts of the China-U.S. trade war. And, you know, that sounds like a long time ago now that we're oh, you know, kind of really living in the, the COVID-19 world. We're back in the field now. And we'll be bringing some more insights on how China's kind of getting back to work post-COVID-19. So really looking forward to kind of continuing to talk about this topic and to bring insights and research findings to the Gulf community and beyond. Um, Jim, let's uh, let's move it to you. You, you know, I've been to a, a couple of golf events. Uh, the last one in uh, in New York. I missed the one in in LA for other uh, timing reasons. But I heard and I, I hear this this concept of China as the headwater of retail e commerce innovation. Can you give us a, a you know the listeners a sense of of maybe if they haven't attended the golf event or just what what you think about that and and what do you mean by by that phrase this this headwater of of retail innovation phase. Yeah, we've 
been seeing this for many years you know, with uh, uh, retail in China in in general, and not just the digital you know revenue channels. You know, we we often describe you know China as being the the, the headwaters. You know, just because we are seeing a lot of you know retail innovation you know starting in China and then you know moving to to other markets. Uh, in fact, that's been you know one of the themes at our Gelf you know conferences is you know really exploring you know with a lot of our uh, e-commerce and digital executives, you know, what are they learning from, you know, China that is also applying to the domestic business or other markets, you know, around mm-hmm. uh, the, the world. And certainly as we start to get into some of the findings, you know, we'll kind of dive into lots of examples of, you know, what we certainly see as being um, leading edge uh, uh, in retail. I think, ideas for retail leaders regardless of where they're operating to 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 really say you know is that right for my market here and how do i adapt that and localize it you know whether it's our domestic market or a, a, another international market ken you've got had some observations on that same kind of headwaters topic around the, the behavior of consumers themselves right and and i know and correct me if i'm wrong but you know e-commerce in china is like 30 plus percent of retail a lot of it happens on mobile these things I, I'm sure kind of translate into other international markets. But when when consumers in China are, are shopping, uh, tell us a bit about you know that that perspective they have about um, about the mobile phone and 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 how they 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 conceive of shopping. Yeah, I mean to kind of pick up on what Jim was saying, we certainly see you know the, this idea of innovation starting in China and you know Greater China, Asia as well, South Korea, Japan, lots of lessons throughout the region. But you know the bottom line is is when we we look at you know the mobile shopper in China, you know they're really quite literally coming online to buy from from retail brands around the world. Uh, obviously, huge mobile world, a lot of. Uh, influencers. So, you know, they'll see something from a a KOL or a KOC on their phone and they'll hit a button and, you know, they'll expect it to be delivered in no time. Certainly Mm -hmm. delivery expectations are are very different in China. So, you know, kind of an interesting thing that we'll talk about today is, is what actually translates from China because not everything does. The reality is we're seeing this in markets around the world, especially among younger consumers. Again, see something on their phone, want to hit a button. They don't really want to think about the, you know, where the product's being shipped from. They just want it to be delivered. They don't think about it having to cross an ocean or cross a border. So, <laughs> and even across town, you know, they, they, it's just, it's, it's a new consumer out there. It's a global consumer. And that's why we really think that, you know, what we're doing with uh, Gelf is, is so timely and crucial because, you know, it's definitely uh, a global retail world out there now. Jim, I heard a speaker at the New York Gelf talk about how there are live streaming from Madison Avenue to shoppers in Shanghai who bought immediately from the video feed. Lots of that kind of cool stuff. What, what else did you learn around this this idea of platforms and and how the consumers are, are consuming in in, uh, in these international markets? The big headline we feel coming out of the most recent waves of China research, you know, really has been the evolution of retail to what we're calling a multi-platform 
you know, world. Uh, live streaming uh, shopping events, you know, are one example of, of, of that. Uh, but what we've, you know, sort of seen certainly throughout our, you know, careers, you know, has been this evolution within retail where we once, you know, talked about multi-channel being, you know, uh, the next big thing, you know, within retail. And largely we've seen, you know, a lot of those, you know, uh, come to fruition. Uh, what we're seeing now from China in particular is that for retailers and consumer brands, you know, they, they, they really need to think about uh, their re- retail distribution, you know, cutting across multiple platforms, whether that is Amazon or Tmall or WeChat or any number of the kind of emerging social platforms or messaging platforms. So this is a a big, complex uh, new world for most, you know, retailers to navigate, you know, realizing that uh, they have tough decisions to make in terms of not just how 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 and where they should be involved in these platforms, but how to do it well, how to differentiate, how to again uh, uh, portray uh, their 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 brand, you know, in, in its uh, greatest light possible. We've heard about Alibaba. You mentioned Amazon as well, and a few others. So you know, those sound like the leading platforms. Uh, what other platforms are there of this multi-platform universe? Future of retail in uh, in China. Yeah, well, I think what we're seeing is, you know, from a global perspective, certainly, you know, Amazon is has got its areas of strength, especially in Europe, you know, but within China, you know, it's it's really kind of the e-commerce titans, you know, like Alibaba. And, and even within Alibaba, there's lots of different platforms. So um, this, this multi-platform, you know, future of retail is something that, you know, certainly isn't new. Uh, to the to the industry, but we're certainly seeing it. And and to be honest, we really started kind of seeing this come out of China back when we did the 2017. So as we were talking to retail leaders about this study in particular, you know what we're really finding is that you know Alibaba is still dominating JD's uh, JD.com. You know probably the the second largest e-commerce or definitely the second largest e-commerce platform in China. You know continues to be a, a, a dominant player there. Uh, within the Alibaba ecosystem, Tmall continues to really attract the bigger global brands. But, you know, what we're finding is that some of the other Alibaba business units do offer some of the mid-market and the emerging retail brands with, with alternate growth options, as you will. And, and many retailers are really just starting to realize that, you know, Alibaba offers more than Tmall. But, you know, getting sales traction in China can be really difficult, especially for these mid-market and smaller brands that aren't that well-known globally. It can be extremely expensive to get noticed due to the high customer acquisition cost in China. Jim, any thoughts beyond Alibaba and JD? I mean, I mentioned Amazon, and and it's interesting we talk platforms within platforms. But give us a give us a sense of the story in China beyond Alibaba and and, and JD. Yeah, the, certainly the multiple platforms we're alluding to, you know, extend far beyond the the, the two dominant market share leaders of Alibaba and and JD.com. Uh, you know, we're we're seeing you know other emerging you know platforms you know come along. Uh, uh, WeChat certainly you know is uh, probably the other you know big titan. In our original study in 2017 on China, we at that point it was so interesting to hear from a, a lot of the U.S. you know executives you know talking about how uh, how WeChat you know had 
hit their radar, so to speak, you know, and, and they were just starting to engage, you know, with that platform. Uh, fast forward to, you know, a couple of years later in, in some of the more recent waves of, uh, of interviewing, you know, we've done certainly now WeChat is uh, firmly kind of ensconced, you know, within uh, brands uh, uh, strategies. And in fact, you know, is seen as uh, uh, a channel that, you know, you must engage in, in a fairly major way, even if the overall e-commerce market share uh, pie is is effectively uh, still skews towards the two you know big players, but yeah, we'll talk about you know some of the other players as, as well as we get into this. Kent, it's funny to think about a, a new WeChat, given you know the rapidity of the way these platforms get uh, come online and then suddenly get accepted and become and then become indispensable. Right, it's like unknown indispensable in a, in a matter of months or years. Are there any new platforms that uh, are on the horizon? Who's the new? Who do you think might be the new WeChat? Are there any any things you guys have spotted? Yeah, I mean, I don't really think there's a, you know, kind of certainly not a force like WeChat was when, you know, when we were doing the interviews back in 2017. I bet you half the people I talked to literally had just spoken to somebody from WeChat the week before or had it on their schedule for the next week or so. Definitely not the case this time. However, we did hear of the fast growing platforms uh you know tiktok was it was really kind of the first time we got focused on that and that was last summer and you know now anybody that's got uh kids uh homeschooling you know they're probably seeing tiktok dances uh replacing uh phys ed <laughs> these days so um uh within some of the specialty platforms uh, little red book was definitely something that people mentioned a lot but you know it's still pretty early for the emerging platforms and you know that's what we're kind of seeing the, the trend be, that it's more of an aggregate of these specialty platforms that are kind of starting to, you know, kind of be noticed like WeChat was three, four years ago. Um, but again, you know, I think what we'll see is is more of a product category specific focus. So, you know, for instance, beauty and cosmetics are quite big on red. Uh, we also think that, that these and, and the emerging platforms and messaging apps, they're really going to have an opportunity to uh, serve some of the underserved mid-market and niche brands. This is really where those brands are, are kind of finding their own platform, so to speak. Jim, uh, who's who's using these platforms? So let's let's talk about the consumer perspective. Uh, TikTok seems like a lot of people are using it, uh, both sides, uh, all around the world now. I didn't realize initially that TikTok was a was a, a Chinese born in China platform and, and adoption. I think I saw even here in Canada, where I am, is four or five million people on on TikTok. It does skew younger, but it got me thinking about you know different platforms. Kent, as you said, are different niches. Give us a, a sense of um, about who's, who's using these platforms? Like, uh, will we see them take share from the big hitters, the Alibaba, the JDs, and, and the WeChat? Yeah, I, I think you could almost draw an analogy to if you think historically within retail where, you know, uh, department stores, you know, once once dominated and then specialty stores kind of came along, mm. I think some of these same digital platforms, you know, are, are, are somewhat, you know, similar. We clearly have the multi-category general merchants, so to speak, you know, in, in the big market share leaders, you know, with Tmall and, and, and JD. And yet when you start to look at, you know, some of the more niche uh, platforms, as, you know, Kent was, you know, mentioning – you start to see more lifestyle-driven uh, 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 topics or, or themes. So certainly some that are, are more fashion and, and, and beauty-oriented, you know, some that are skewed more younger, like, you know, t- uh, TikTok. Uh, mm. in, in some of our uh, research it, it, with the consumers in China, 
and these are consumers who had bought uh, foreign uh, brands. Uh, uh, it, it was interesting just to see how broadly dispersed their buying patterns were. You know, when it, when you look at market share data, you generally see somewhere between eighty and ninety percent of e-commerce share being dominated by the two big big players. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. certainly the diversity of you know where uh, shoppers are looking for uh, foreign or Western you know brands uh, are, are quite diverse. Hmm. Kent, earlier in the in our discussion, you talked about uh, the trade wars that were present between uh, the U.S., uh, really uh, North America and China, and the headwinds that was creating, and and the challenges. And you know, it, it, there's other challenges, of course, that are seen to be front and facing us with uh, with COVID. But let's let's get back to these headwinds because they haven't gone away. Um, and and how are re- retail e-commerce leaders managing these the headwinds that they face? Yeah, I mean, definitely at the time, uh, the the China trade war was uh, first and foremost. And you know what we did was was talk to consumers and really wanted to kind of understand whether the the trade friction was uh, changing the way that they were purchasing. And and largely we found that it, it wasn't. Uh, there there was some you know kind of. Uh, national pride, I think that that came through in some of the uh, quantitative data from our research partner there in China, the Sunrise Cross Border Services uh, team. But you know, it seems like that trade friction uh, seems like a long time ago now, with all the chaos <laughs> and the loss that the COVID nineteen crisis has caused. Mm-hmm. You know, not only in China and the U.S., but obviously all around the world. Um, but I mean, it was interesting when we when we talked to leaders, uh, and again. We're in the field, you know, kind of talking again and looking at, at, you know, what people can learn from China as they emerge from the crisis. But, you know, when we were focused on, you know, kind of the impacts of the trade friction and and what people were thinking about as far as, uh, you know, whether to take a time out in China, you know, the resounding Mm. response was, you know, we've got to be there. But the, right, the timetables right. really varied, you know, especially among some of those uh, companies that didn't have strong brand awareness. You know, some of those were definitely uh, taking a time out. But, you know, again, the COVID-19 impact is, is something that we're going to be looking at. You know, I, I think everybody's trying to figure out how to, you know, kind of adjust to, you know, what hopefully will be a, a post-COVID-19 world, you know, sooner rather than later. Again, we'll be doing some more podcasts and, you know, probably having a series of webinars coming up that that will touch on the impact of COVID-19 and we'll get some on the ground, uh, you know, interviews done in China. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll obviously be checking in with the U.S. based folks as well. But, you know, I think the bottom line is that that China is a long term priority for most, you know, even those that have pulled back in recent years. But those short term challenges are going to persist and they're going to be a new set of challenges uh, you know, in the study, we looked at brand building and, you know, challenges with partner selection, whether it was Tmall partners or other trade partners. And then, you know, the cost effective customer acquisition strategies that people were using. And again, that was what led us into looking at some of these new emerging platforms there. But, you know, the COVID-19 crisis is really the latest market dynamic to create some really strong headwinds. And and I think the answer right now is is to be determined. So we're you know, heads down looking into that and stay tuned for more answers on those fronts. You know, I was watching an, an interview with uh, Matt Shea, the president of the NRF, and he talked about, uh, you know, lots of questions about what post-COVID looks like. And, and he said something quite cogent I thought was, was, was spot on. He said, listen, if there's trends that were and existed pre-COVID, they've probably been amplified. So, you know, I think you guys are taking the right, uh, the right approach. I mean, the, what was happening before is going to happen 
even more so. I think that's probably going to be the case uh, in China, but we'll, we'll find out. Jim, um, you and I have often talked about uh, this whole idea that uh, that culture trumps strategy, and 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 it's one thing for organizations to want to go to China; it's another thing for them to marshal internal resources and and the fortitude and get organized to do that. Particularly if it's a new idea. What um, when you talk to executives, what, you know, what kind of internal challenges do they have, and and how are they looking at overcoming them? Yeah, we've often said that with any digital transformation business strategy, the toughest challenge is often internal to to any, you know, especially large organization. Uh, so uh, China is certainly no different in the, in that respect. You know, we asked you know a lot of the uh, uh, you know, leading uh, uh, e-commerce and digital executives, you know, uh, about their their internal challenges. Certainly, what came across you know loud and clear was the need for a strong. Uh, China digital champion to lead mm. the charge, and certainly that that becomes you know a uh, an internal role that helps you know other senior executives understand the, these challenges and and to help overcome some of those internal roadblocks and resource allocation issues. Uh, it, it reminds us so much of you know, kind of the earliest days of you know digital and e-commerce when you know we 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 started talking about the organization design, you know, challenges and, right and, and we see mm-hmm. some of the same thing, you know, in, internationally as well, that, that uh, starts at the top, but it needs to certainly trickle down throughout the organization. In fact, you know, one way to think about it that we've been applying to, to, you know, many clients, you know, has been uh, uh, analogous to the internal branding challenge. So uh, as a company uh, decides to change the external facing, you know, brand, uh, how do they need to change their behavior internally? And I think the same thing applies with, you know, with global e-commerce. You know, as the the business strategy is really determined, how do we need to make sure that our organizations are, are aligned, including not just structural changes, but also uh, important changes to KPIs and metrics that we know really drive behavior. So th- these are things that are ongoing, um, not going away anytime soon. But the more that uh, the uh, growth in China becomes a, a, a bigger part of uh, brands' uh, overall kind of you know revenue pie, mm. I think you know we're going to see you know uh, internal you know challenges uh, uh, also rise up you know the priority ladder. And I guess there's a you know as you meet one piece of resistance, you start looking for other, you know, if you're oriented already for international trade and, and you know, there's some headwinds from China, I guess it, it, it opens up the conversations for elsewhere in the world, right? It's a big world. Uh, it's not just about China. Is that a, like a, a silver lining of these kind of trade headwinds? You've, you've put in a team, you're thinking international, China's a little harder than We'd, we'd like, but does it does it open up other conversations? Absolutely, it does. You know, it's it's just as we were saying. You know, with the headwaters of uh, retail innovation, I think how we as organizations are, are managing uh, the business, you know, challenge in a key region like China certainly have lots of application. You know, in in other markets. In fact, you know, in uh, work that we've been doing that starts to really dive into either 
innovation centers or shared services uh, units, you know, for digital and and e-commerce, you start to see these regional strategies, you know, really emerge that says, well, how we set up China will have an impact upon our EMEA, you know, business, for example. Mm. Now, let me, uh, you know, we're coming to the end of this episode. Let me ask you this question. You know, we've been talking about businesses. What about the consumer and their perception of international brands in China. I think of the big, big brands that, that are already there for Starbucks, Apple. I mean, uh, Starbucks has got some of their biggest roasteries in the world and in, in China. I think of Canada Goose. What's the perception during the, the trade tussles? You know, how does that percolate down to, to the average Chinese consumer? Yeah, it, it was interesting. Uh, from our uh, quantitative consumer survey we did with uh, uh, Chinese uh, consumers who had bought foreign brands, as Kent, you know, mentioned, we we had asked about their trust in domestic brands, and certainly we see that you know rising. But at the same time, you know, we asked uh, of their future intent to buy more or less foreign brands, and we also see that you know very uh, strongly rising. So. So it's something that I think all foreign brands you know, operating in China need to certainly be aware of, you know, the rising tide of uh, the domestic Chinese brands. And that certainly uh, represents a formidable uh, competitor, you know, going forward. Let's, uh, let's leave it there for this episode. It's, it makes a, nice, uh, makes a nice segue into our next episode where we'll talk about uh, the consumers and transportation and brand perception and logistics and, you know, beyond the platforms and fulfillment and all those things. Uh, you know, China's a big place and like everywhere else, uh, there's lots to talk about. So uh, lots of great research to follow. Jim Cantu is such a treat uh, being on this first episode together and uh, look forward to speaking with you soon as we as we continue to delve into all things global e-commerce. So uh, thank you both for uh, for your time and your friendship together and, and uh, look forward to speaking with you both again. Thanks, Michael. Great. That's a wrap on our first edition of Global E-Commerce Tech Talks. If you like this podcast, you can subscribe on Apple iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. Please rate and review and be sure to recommend to a friend or colleague in the retail and cross-border commerce industry. I'm Michael LeBlanc, founder and president of Emmy LeBlanc & Company, Inc. You can learn more about me on www.emmyleblanc.co, and you can learn more about Global E-Commerce Leaders Forum online at www.globalecommerceforums.com. Until next time, have a safe week.